Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome back to the Date Night Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Russell, and with me is my co-host, Ashley Russell. Hey, everyone. You know, this is our first time recording in 2021, and uh, when we decided to take a break back in December, things were looking pretty bleak for theatrical exhibition. I mean, things were looking kind of bleak in general. It was. Even even up until, like, summertime, I was like, because all the movies were still getting pushed back, pushed back, pushed back. Yeah. And then now we're going to get, like, an influx well, yeah, I think a lot of the calendar was sort of like waiting for Bond to reopen. And so like when Bond picked October, I think a lot of other movies picked that month. You know, things were kind of slowly opening back up over the summer. It's been kind of hit or miss. I mean, there's been a couple hits. We have, the, you know, Shang-Chi. Shang- oh, that which was, was a Which was a, a, a nice yeah. big hit. Well, but I think that's what, you know, the market was waiting for. I mean, honestly, like Marvel puts butts in the seats, right? Like they get people to actually go to the theaters and, and you know, get those get people to experience the, the theatrical release. So everything was being released at home. Even, you know, you know, Wonder Woman was released at home. Yeah. But now well, pretty I mean, much every Warner Brothers movie. Yeah. They have this thing where it goes simultaneous theaters and HBO Max. Yeah. But they needed something like Shang-Chi. Like theaters only. Theaters only, you know, and, and, and Marvel, I think, was was the only one that could get people to go back to the theater and, and get it going again. And I'm glad that they did. And I mean, well, typically, you know, prior to the pandemic, I mean, the window was between like 75 to 90 days. Yeah. A movie had to be in theaters before it could go to streaming and on down the line. Tip Most typically... On average, most movies make the bulk of their money in theaters within the first month. Yes. So for you know those subsequent months, it's kind of just hanging around on a couple screens, making a couple bucks, and I think that's that's that time frame that studios are looking to consolidate. Yeah. That period where like they're not making a whole lot of money on it, you know, just kind of like shoot it on down the pipe. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, it, studios, they are finally starting to release uh, some of their bigger movies. And yeah, so for months, like theaters were operating with very little product, if they were even operating at all. And, you know, our whole show, it's all about movies that are playing in theaters. Yeah. You know, we go out, we watch a movie, we come back here, we get on the mic, we talk about it, and that's the show, pretty much. So yeah, we took a break, really out of necessity, because nothing was getting released, and, you know, in that time, we actually finished and released our own movie. It's called Tiny Dancers, which is now streaming on Amazon Prime. Uh, if you like raunchy, low-budget comedies like Clerks or The Foot Fist Way, definitely <laughs> check out Tiny Dancers. And uh, so on our last episode, we said we were going to kind of take a break and come back whenever the next Bond movie finally got released, which at the time was supposed to be in April. Yeah. <laughs> 
And so that like this is like one of the most delayed movies of all time. Well, I think I next mean, to Top Gun. Yeah, I was maybe. about to say I'm like Top Gun is probably the first. By the time Top Gun comes yeah. out, will anyone care anymore? <laughs> it's kind of been like torturous, like watching these previews. I know for years. For, it's been it's been what three years now? <laughs> Two years now? I was you know. hyped for this a year ago. I yeah. mean, but they keep now, pushing I don't it know. back and, and keep pushing it back. It's like, well, okay, yeah. is it a dud? No, you know? I, I think <laughs> I think the studio just wants optimal conditions for the movie because uh, I think they believe it can perform really well. And right now, you know, we still we still have this Delta variant that kind of like screwed everything up this past summer. Yeah. And I would have actually I would have put 50-50 odds on No Time to Die getting delayed again because of this whole Delta thing, which thankfully didn't happen. And we're slowly but surely getting getting back. I mean, the last time we went to, I mean, we went to the movie theater and it was pretty packed. Yeah, I mean, well like uh, you know, just a week ago like Venom came out mm-hmm. and opened to like 90 million. <laughs> And whereas, like, this movie this past week, it made, like, $56 million, which, you know, pre-pandemic isn't great. I mean, now everything's kind of relative. I don't know. I mean, I, I, it seems like people, um, uh, you know, they come out for superhero movies. They come out for they, comic book stuff. It, and that's, that's... That's that's what it seems like. because That's what it was like before. Now it's even more stark. Yeah. Um, and I think James Bond kind of skews older. So, and I think older folks are still um, the most reluctant. To come out to theaters, yeah. So um, I would say Top Gun would be the same way. That's that might be why they pushed it. Mm-hmm. Also, yeah, that movie would definitely skew older. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so today we are here to talk about No Time to Die. It's the 25th film in the James Bond series, and it's the last to star Daniel Craig in the role. And uh, this movie has an 84 percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and uh, you know, like I said earlier, it opened this past week into about 56 million, which I mean, is that's a- that's high in Rotten Tomatoes. The uh, the score, yeah, yeah. Critics critics dig it. Interesting. It's a well reviewed movie. I think the still the best reviewed is Skyfall yeah. of the Daniel Craig movies. I think Venom too is fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Really? So uh, who 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 knows? Who knows what's real? I just think critics maybe just be like you know they really want to. We just we need to get out. Well, we need they, to get out of the house. Well, and they realize how important maybe they are to getting <laughs> folks to go to the theater. Yeah, there there might little, be some pressure. A sure. little lenient on their reviews. Sure, I mean, like Free Guy with Ryan Reynolds, like that got rave reviews, and that was that was okay. <laughs> it was okay. So yeah, this movie, you know, it opened this past weekend, and the last James Bond film was Spectre, which was six years ago. Yeah, and that's one of the biggest gaps in the franchise. I mean, we're like the entire Trump administration occurred. Between the last two Bond oh, films. Oh gosh, we're not going to Trump administration right now. <laughs> that just shows you like how much the world has changed between these Bond films. I know. Six six years. But before we talk about No Time to Die, why don't we just talk real briefly about our prior experience with this franchise? Are you a fan of the series? And do you have a, a favorite James Bond film? I mean, honestly, I, I've I've seen them all, but they don't leave seen, an impression. You've seen all twenty five? Well, not all of them. All of Daniel Craig's. Have you seen any any other Bonds? Like no, Pierce Brosnan, Sean Connery. No. Um, so you've only seen the Daniel Craig movies. Yeah, but the only one that really stood out to me was Skyfall. Okay, that's the only one I really remember. That's the one where you got Javier Bardem mm-hmm. as the villain. Good villain. Pretty awesome villain. 
What makes the Bond movies good or are the good villains? So you have... It's a critical ingredient. Javier, and then you've got the Spectre villain. What's his name? Um, Christoph Waltz. Amazing. Yeah, he appeared in Spectre. Yeah. We saw Spectre together. Did you enjoy Spectre? I don't remember it. I'm honest. Like, I don't remember it. It's not I, great. It's I not great. I don't remember um, a lot of it. I mean, maybe if I saw it again before you asked me this question, I probably would have done a little <laughs> research um, <laughs> and, and kind of peaked but my you, memory. Well, I guess, I guess the point <laughs> is like... it's been you, six years ago. You had no desire to really like go back no. and revisit them, even in the lead up to No, no. Time to Die. Interesting. Because no. I, I rewatched... I prefer the Mission Impossible movies. Sure. Yeah. I mean, they're very similar. They're on the same level, yeah. The Bond movies are always the same. There's always two girls, one good, one bad, and one one turns on on Bond, and, you know, I mean, it's the same, like, cookie-cutter layout. Definitely a formula. I mean, you could say the Bond movies kind of set the template for, like, the modern espionage movie. Yeah, they did. For sure. I mean, they go back to the 60s. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's pretty incredible. But maybe it's, you know, no time to die. I mean, like, it's a good time to die. I mean, James Bond will be back with another actor for sure. Like this, the franchise isn't dead. Well, I think there's going to be another 007, which I think it's going to be a lady. You think they're going to have a lady, James Bond? Mm-hmm. Are you saying that based on this film? Mm-hmm. But based on what the world wants right now. I think the world doesn't need another white English dude playing Well, I think James, James, Bond. James Bond is always going to be British. You can eat your Elba. Sure, I mean he's not a lady. I don't care. <laughs> but no, Idris Elba would be my top well, choice. Yeah, I mean bringing some diversity to this role for the lead, whether it be a, a female, whether it be African American male. Like I, I, I just I want to see something different. Idris Elba, I think, is a top of a lot of people's list. Um, I don't know. He what, would be fantastic. Of course he would. Th- they'll start with a clean slate. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. Like they might carry over like, you know, Ray Fiennes or Q. What about you? What is your favorite? Uh, Well, yeah, I, my my first, my my introduction to James Bond was in 95 with Goldeneye. And I think I was like 13 at the time. And I saw that in theaters and that made a a big impression on me. I think that movie still holds up. And you, Goldeneye is a good example of like balancing like the silly with the serious. Yeah. And you know, these, current daniel craig movies have gotten very serious and so serious but i think (laughs) why so serious but but i think that's because daniel craig is a serious actor like i don't think he can i think that's part of it the the comedic timing also the bond films they take their cues from whatever is kind of trending in popular culture at the time and so like the early daniel craig movies they were kind of molded after born movies and then the later Daniel Craig movies start to feel more like Christopher Nolan comic book films. And uh, especially like Skyfall feels like it's definitely inspired by The Dark Knight. We got like Javier Bardem like as the Joker, yeah. essentially. And that's how it's always been. When Star Wars was popular, you know, they crank out Moonraker where Bond goes to space. <laughs> so like that's that's kind of how this, steri- this series really? has... Yeah, absolutely. That's how the series has stayed space? a lot. Really? <laughs> Check out that's Moonraker. A, that's a movie? It's called Moonraker. Check it out. I don't think or so. Or don't. <laughs> yeah. No. That, that's not... No. Out of like the 25 Bond films, I, I think I've seen maybe like 15 or 16. You know, my gap is with the Roger Moore movies in the 70s. Um, there's one or two Sean Connery's I haven't seen. But everything like 
from the Timothy Dalton era on, I'm caught up with. And uh, yeah, so GoldenEye I love. And unfortunately, like Pierce Brosnan, his movies went downhill immediately. Like GoldenEye was like it. Like each movie got a little bit worse. <laughs> and so like bottoming out yeah. with Die Another Day with Halle Berry. So there's like an invisible car. <laughs> it's, it's getting real silly. So yeah, then Daniel Craig reboots it. And I was... I was one of those people, like, I wasn't totally blown away by Casino Royale. A lot of people consider that the best Bond movie. And uh, for me, it's um, it's pretty good. I think Eva Green takes it up a notch. Yeah. She's one of the best Bond girls. Well, you love Eva Green. Who doesn't? She's one of the best Bond girls, I think, that the series has had. Uh, but the movie itself is kind of weirdly paced. Uh, it feels like three movies <laughs> yeah. to me. But it's pretty good. It's a good introduction to Daniel Craig. And then he, you know, afterwards we get Quantum of Solace, which is just garbage, just incoherent garbage. And so, like, when I sat down to watch Skyfall, I'm pretty jaded on this series. I'm like, I mean, th- these movies are mostly mediocre. Like, they haven't, like, hit it out of the park in a while. And then Skyfall, like, totally changed my conception of, yeah. of the series. And it's like, you know, if a 50-year-old franchise can crank out a movie like Skyfall, there's still... There's still hope. Plenty of gas in this tank. So, yeah, Skyfall just blew me away. That movie, uh, I've seen it a number of times. It it always holds up for me. Skyfall is, like, an ideal Bond experience. Like, I would take Skyfall over any Mission Impossible movie. But that's the only Bond movie that I would take over Mission Impossible. And then, yeah, Spectre was kind of a disappointment. You got, like, four good scenes and a whole bunch of boring nonsense. Well, yeah. I mean, the only thing, only good thing about Spectre was Christoph Waltz. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he's always he, he was He was okay. He was okay. I, I mean, their depiction of Blofeld were, like, they try and tie in this backstory between Bond and Blofeld. Like, they knew each other as kids. Yeah. Is dumb. Like, we don't, I don't think we need that. <laughs> Like, we don't need to reach back into, like, Bond's childhood to, like, give him a connection to this villain. Just make him, like, a charismatic, insane villain who has to be stopped. There he, you go. He doesn't, he doesn't need to be the author of, of James Bond's pain. And Blofeld was a villain going back to the Sean Connery days. Well, and he starts out as the villain in this movie, in the, in the No Time to Die movie, the current one. Well, Spectre, Spectre, ends, Spectre ends with him being captured yeah. and imprisoned. Yeah. But... In the beginning of No Time to Die, like it, he is still calling the shots, and we find out later how. But he's doing it. In, be, he's doing it from prison. He's doing it from prison, and then he get and then his plan gets hijacked by Remy Malik. So yeah, let's talk about it, and we'll keep spoilers light before we take a break. But I mean, there will be some light spoilers. So if you want to stay totally clean, watch the film and then come back to this. But uh, so yeah, this movie. It basically has like a 30-minute cold open. Yeah. Right? Before we even get to the title. <laughs> All Bond movies, they have like a like a spectacular cold open before yeah. the credits. Like a big set piece. A lot of Bond movies, it's the highlight of the film. And the film is kind of downhill from there. Um, but this is a pretty solid like opening 30 minutes. I would say we get uh, kind of a flashback of sorts where we see uh, young Madeline Swan. She witnesses her mother's death. Yep. Uh, by a character named... Lucifer Safin <laughs> the way they spell his name like clearly they are going for Lucifer yeah but they're spelling it all weird yeah um, but we'll call him Safin yeah and so he's there to kill her dad who we know as Mr. White aka the Pale King he's a guy who killed himself in the, the previous film Spectre he's been in like all the movies yeah except for Skyfall and just another little note on why Skyfall is great Skyfall is the only film 
in the Daniel Craig series that doesn't reference Vesper Lind. It doesn't reference Spectre or Mr. White. Skyfall is its totally own standalone Bond adventure. All the other Bond movies are doing this are like interconnected, I- interconnected so bullshit. you have to watch one to understand the pretty other. Pretty much. Yeah. Skyfall works totally on its own. Independent. That's how pretty much all the previous films were. They were their standalone adventures. They're not like, you know, like a Bond cinematic universe. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, we get this flashback and Safin, you know, he's wearing like this creepy white mask. Yep. It's kind of like a, uh, like a horror, like slasher opening in a way. It has a horror vibe. It has a which horror I vibe, yeah. He f- ends up finding her and she's running and she gets under the, she falls into the lake that's behind the house that is frozen over. And th- does he help her out? He helps her out. Okay. He saves her. Right. For a reason we don't know until later in the movie. But this prologue, it establishes that like Madeline and Safin, they have this shared history. Yeah. And so, yeah, then after that, we cut forward to right after the events of Spectre, where Madeline and James Bond, they're just kind of having a nice vacation in Italy. Yep. Is Bond retired? Yeah. At this point, he, he was retired. Because we catch up with him again, where he's like vacationing in Jamaica, and he's like retired again. So he's having like multiple vacations in this picture. <laughs> well, no, I think he leaves. He leaves Madeline. Well, yeah, we'll get and into then that. He I'm just goes saying to Jamaica, and so it's it's one continuous. But there's a five year gap yeah. in between Italy and Jamaica. But like he's when he leaves retired it, through all that. He's yeah, he's he's doing his thing in Italy. Um, you know, he he and Madeline, you know, they seem to be in love, and they're just enjoying their time together in beautiful Italy. And then for some reason, he goes to visit Vesperlin's grave. Well, I think that's the whole reason why they went there. <laughs> Was for her, was for him to get some kind of closure. Which is weird. Five movies in. I know. There should be closure. There should be closure. I don't know why he's going to her fucking tomb. (laughs) You know, maybe because that was, you know, he loved her. Sure. And maybe he only loved two women and it was her and then his Madeline. I just, I thought the whole Vesper thing was closed out after Quantum. Like Quantum was like his whole revenge mission for the people responsible for Vesper's death. After Quantum, let's close it out. I mean, he's with another lady. He's been with multiple women. Yeah. Like, we should be moved on. That's just my opinion. And, I mean, Ava Green. I mean, I get it. Ava Green. A hard one to get over. Hard to move on from. But, <laughs> gotta do it. <laughs> I mean, he, he's Bond, though. He's got multiple, you know, lovely ladies coming at him. Um, but then there's there's a bomb that's in the grave. Yeah, they get the ambushed. They get ambushed by like Spectre assassins. Yes, pretty much. And there's a big chase scene, a pretty pretty spectacular scene. Like they're um, being chased around Italy, they're, like jumping off a bridge. Yeah, with uh, the well, oh yeah, right. great stunt work. Yeah, I, I mean yeah, most of this uh, like a shot on film. It looks really practical. This is all good looking stuff. And so he thinks that Madeline double crossed him. Yes. Like, led the, the assassins to him. And so he just dumps her at a train station. And says goodbye. Yep, never want to see you again. <laughs> and she looks upset. I mean, you know, we'll find out why later. <laughs> I thought uh, Leah Sadu, who plays Madeline, I thought she was great in this. She, Yeah, she's good. And she, I mean, she was, one, she was one of the bright spots in Spectre also. Yeah. She's, yeah, she's really solid. She fits into this series really well, I think. She, yeah, she does. So, yeah, after that, we cut to the title sequence where we got Billie Eilish singing um, just an upbeat, infectious pop pop tune on the, on the soundtrack. <laughs> like something you want to tap your toes to, right? 
You're being facetious, right? No, it's, it's very, very mournful yeah, and sad. Uh, it is. <laughs> like... So, yeah, so that happens. Then we pick up five years later, and there's an MI6 scientist who has created a bioweapon that's basically an infectious virus made up of nanobots. <laughs> is, that, well, is, that, is that correct? Not really. So it, okay. it, <laughs> it is nanobots, yes, but it's not like an infectious virus. Well, you it can is, program it. A programmable well, it, virus. It is infectious to the people that you program the DNA into. Right. So that's... And then it's a it, bioweapon. Yeah. Yeah, it can be used as a bioweapon. But MI six created it, and then this guy, this scientist, gets kidnapped in an well, early in an early scene, right? He, I mean, he does get kidnapped. But he's all in it. Like Spectre comes in, kills all the scientists in there. Why did they have to do the the big elaborate thing of this scientist as part of it? Couldn't he just join them without like the big elaborate? I guess they had to steal the. They, well, he, they had to make it look like he was under, you know. But yeah, this scientist is crooked. Very, very crooked. And so, but what Spectre doesn't know is the scientist is working with Remy Malik. And so right before the the Spectre folks come into the lab, he download a Remy Remy Malik calls him Stefan 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 Staffan 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 Staffan. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yep. So Staffan. Um, calls him and says they're on their way. They're coming, and then that's when he downloads all of the Spectre DNA versus James Bond DNA, and that's where they because he switch. wants to, he he wants to sabotage Blofeld. Yes, Safin is after Blofeld. Yes, do we know why that is? He just if Safin just wants ultimate power and control. I think he wanted a way to like what. what? Take over the Spectre resources, I think it was. Because pretty much all of the Spectre folks... To what end? Switch to... Like global domination sort of deal? Yeah, but I, I don't it's know an interesting if that's idea, really like, his, like motive. It's an interesting idea, like a Bond supervillain targeting another Bond supervillain. That, that, that's interesting. But I, I don't think his motive was world domination. I think his motive was... To kill as many people in a fast amount of time as possible. To create like a new world order? Yeah. Okay. See, so he, he's a real sicko. He uh, wants to be king of the world and he feels like this is how you do it. Yeah, I would say like Remy Malik and just the way this character is written and performed is one of the weaker elements uh, of this film. Yeah. Safin is not a strong villain. I'll just, we'll, no. we'll say up front. No, like I just, I don't like. I, mean, I would say the weakest of the Daniel Craig series, except for Quantum of Solace, whoever that villain was. I don't, I don't like his backstory. So he was he was poisoned by uh, Madeline's dad, or whole, his whole family White. was poisoned by Madeline's dad. Do we know why? That I, I, I don't even think I caught that he was poisoned by Madeline's dad. <laughs> so no, I don't know why. Well, yeah, his whole family was. Okay. And that's how he got disfigured. Okay, I don't even think I caught that. I, at one point, he goes on. He has like two mon. First off, he's barely in this. Yeah. But the scenes he's in this, it's just he's just it's monologuing. Underwhelming. He's like, just sitting and talking and monotone. Yeah, he just he has a couple of monologues, and I kind of zoned out. I think so. I didn't even, Which I didn't is even a catch shame his backstory because I think this is like the Man. the movie right after he just got his Oscar. 
Of course. Yeah. I mean, and I, it's like, why, why go this way? Playing a Bond villain, I mean, the last three Bond villains have been Oscar winners. I mean, for me, like, Javier Bardem's entrance in Skyfall, he doesn't appear until midway in the film. Yeah. But when he enters, he comes down this elevator, he slowly walks up to Bond, and he's having like a, a weird monologue about rats eating each other. It's all done in one take. It is an unforgettable entrance. Yeah. And like from that point on, like Javier Bardem is in control of the story, and the movie gets even better. And like that, that's a great Bond villain. And uh, yeah, Remy Malik doesn't have any moments like no. that. I mean, the opening scene where he's masked, that, that's as good as it gets. That, that's yeah. as creepy as he gets. And like, I don't even know how he got all his money. There's just a lot of gaps in this movie that I wish they would have. And the movie's two hours and 45 minutes. I know. So there they, shouldn't be any gaps. They, they missed a lot of, I mean, maybe instead of focusing so much on the CIA trying to recruit Bond, to go to Cuba to find the doctor. I mean, maybe, you know, let's find, let, let's go to the backstory or let's have some more of the backstory of why. Why this villain Saffin is doing this. is so crazy. And, you know, maybe a flashback or something that we could understand. Yeah, I, I found his motivations um, confusing. Uh, I found his actions to be baffling <laughs> and just uh, the performance overall to be underwhelming. And um, but I like Rami Malek. I, mean, I that's, do. I love. It's not it. a knock on Rami Malek. Yeah. I mean, he's he's doing what he can with this material. But uh, yeah, this is a weak Bond villain. But yeah, I mean, like the you know the thrust of the movie is like you know Bond he gets recruited to track down this scientist, this mm -hmm. MI6 scientist, and you know he's of course reluctant because he's retired. He's retired. He he's doesn't want to get involved. Sailing around in Jamaica, and um, along the way we meet Nomi, who's played by Lashana Lynch, and. She's replaced him as the new 007. Yeah. And um, I thought she was pretty good in this. I thought she was great in this. I thought all the Bond women. Yeah. Um, you know, Lashana Lynch, Leah Seydoux, and uh, Anna Dermas, yeah. who, who we meet later. She just has like one or two scenes. Well, yeah, I was about to say, like, she's only... But she nearly steals those scenes. Yeah. She's really good. So, like, yeah, that's... You know, the movie's really lacking in the villain department, but it's... It's great in the, the Bond girl department. Yeah. All, all these women are great. Um, so why don't, we, why don't we take a quick break? And when we come back, we'll get uh, more heavily into spoilers for No Time to Die. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're back, and uh, we're going to get more into spoilers for this film. But yeah, you know, at one point, Bond, he meets up with Felix Leiter, who's played by Jeffrey Wright, yep. who's great. This guy has a um, an associate named Logan Ash. Yes. And this guy is played by Billy Magnuson. And um, this guy tur turns out to be bad. Yeah. And he ends up killing Felix Leiter. He does. So that raises the stakes a little bit. Yeah. He is working for Stefan. Stefan. Stefan? Stefan. <laughs> Stefan. <laughs> Christoph Waltz, he does have like a one scene cameo here. And it's a pretty strong mm -hmm. scene. It's it's frustrating because like his one scene is better than any of Rami Malek's scenes. I know. I know. It's amazing. 
<laughs> and he and he gets killed. Well, yeah, and let's let's kind of explain that because like when I watched, I was a little confused. But basically, like Madeline, she, she's like a, a therapist, I think. Yeah, she's, she's one of her she's clients. A psychotherapist. One of her clients is Safin. Safin, as well as Christoph Waltz. She's still in contact with Christoph Waltz. He's the only therapist she he he talks to. Right. He won't talk to anybody else but her. And so, like, Safin kind of gets in a room with her, and he convinces her to kill Well, Blofeld. Threat- threatens her. Threatens her, her family. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't, like, talk her gently into Mm-mm. it. <laughs> and so, what Remy, or Remy, what, what's Staffin. <laughs> Staffin. There's no T. Safin. S-A-F-I-N. Safin. Okay. What... Safin just wants her to spray the stuff on her hands. Yeah. And then what she does is she touch they her She touches Bond. She touches before Bond. they go in. And Bond is had that no idea. I think so. She's like, I can't do this and touches Bond, so Bond okay. end up does it. She knows okay. what's going on. And so yeah, Bond has um the nanobots on him. Yep. And so like at one point, you know, he's He's talking to Christoph Waltz. Christoph Waltz pisses him off, and he like he chokes him. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know the other agents around like simmer down now, simmer down. And you know he backs off, he calms down, and then they realize you know, they look at Blofeld, and Blofeld is dead. He's dead. Yeah. Uh, from the nanobots. <laughs> but Blofeld also told him. I think the reason why he got mad was because um, t- pretty much told him that Madeline was not working with him. That she was innocent and that he sent her away for nothing. Yeah, Bond clearly has a soft spot with Madeline. Avi. We find out we find out why, and just like a few scenes later, when he's at her house and it turns out she has a five year old kid. She's got a daughter. And yeah, five years old, has blue eyes, and she tells Bond, It's not yours. But- Don't worry, it's not yours. Yeah. But seems like it could be his. Yeah, but it's his. He knows it. He sees the eyes. He knows that the daughter is his. I feel kind of dumb when she said that. Don't worry, it's not yours. I, as an audience member, I you you felt like oh, I'm like oh, okay, it's not his. All right, because moving on. But because the Bonds never had kids. Exactly. Yeah, Bond movies have never moved into that territory. Mm Which is interesting. Yeah. I mean, that that's a new area. I mean, the movie goes into another area that Bond movies have never gone into <laughs> later at the end. So, like, after he meets his kid, there's a pretty cool car chase. Yeah. And this is this is one of the, the action highlights. And because the kid is in the car, it's it feels a little more intense. It's a, it's a, There's a little bit more at stake. And, yeah, it's a bunch of, like, Range Rovers, you know, like, tracking them into the forest. Oh, and yeah. Cars are flipping. It's, it's good stuff. And... It culminates with like one of my favorite scenes in the movie where Logan Ash is like trapped under a car. Oh yeah. And the only thing like holding the car up is like a little tree. Yeah. And then Bond just like pushes it on top of him, <laughs> crushing him. Which is a Splat. A, a pretty terrible death. Yeah. <laughs> and through yeah, there's a couple moments throughout here where Bond is pretty cold blooded and the way he just straight up murders folks. Well, I mean, I think like Bond, like Bond has, has kind of snapped. Well, especially at the end. Well, now because he's got something to fight for. Yeah, definitely at the end also between him and Safin. Yeah. Very cold blood. I mean, you know, but he's got something to fight for now. He's, yeah. He's got... Oh, yeah. No, it's justified. You're, just, you're not going to see like a Marvel hero just no. casually like 
push a car on top of someone <laughs> and walk away. <laughs> it is just, yeah, it's well, Deadpool. I'm talking the Avengers. Oh, Any of the wow. Avengers just <laughs> casually crush a man. Uh, but no, I mean, I I, I, I enjoyed it. I mean, it was uh, it was a good moment. And so, yeah, after that, we end up in Saffin's improbably complex uh, like, villain hideout. Yeah. Where like, it's like a nanobot factory or how, something. How did nobody, like, realize that this was all going on with all the workers? Where are the workers, like, living? Like, there's... Every, everything with Saffin is very disappointing and very, like, undercooked. But, but his, his dad, I think, was a botanist and specialized in poisonous plants. Sure. And so he figured out, uh, I don't know, some, he was cultivating some poison plants up at, up at the top and then in, in the river thing down below. Applied it to nanobots. Uh, yeah. Put you it get in an the, MI6 scientist involved. Well, and, and you, Bob's put it, you put it in the water stream. And so, yeah, he, uh, like, what is his, his goal is to like infect people. Millions. And, and, yeah. And just kill a whole bunch of people. Yeah. And who's he targeting? Republicans? <laughs> Do we know who he's targeting? We don't know who he's targeting. He's just targeting random people with certain, I guess, DNA. I'd be, I'd be interested in like, like, is it random or are we targeting specific folks? Right. Like, what? like I, I don't know. Like, see, that's another thing. Like, this, this, there were so many gaps in like the just the motivation of the villain and why he's doing this. I mean, outside of his, you know, parents being murdered. He gets revenge in the beginning where he murders her parents, like, you know, or her mom. Like, yeah, it, it's I it's, don't understand. It's real undercooked. So like he and Bond, they, they have like a, a fist fight. They, yeah, they have a big fight at the end. But Remy or <laughs> Saffron. <laughs> Saffron. Saffron. <laughs> Saffron. Saffron. Saffin. Saffin. Yep. Staffin. No. <laughs> no tea. Saffin. He created the, the nanobots targeted um, on Madeline and Madeline's DNA um, and the daughter's DNA. Was Saffin in love with Madeline? I think he wanted them for his family. Okay. Because, yeah, at one point he's trying to, like, bring the kid along. Yeah. It's like, if you want to leave, then leave. And the kid just leaves. And runs away. <laughs> Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think he wants a family. I think, you know. And if they won't be his family, then they should die. Exactly. Sure. Um, but when they were fighting and Safin knew that it was the end for him, he broke the vial with the blood and the nanobites and infected Bond. So he would never be able to touch his... Mother, he would never be able to touch the love of his life or his child again, yeah. or they die. Pretty messed up. And while this is going on, there are rockets heading to the island. Yeah, so they're trying to destroy the island because this island is full of this like nanobots. It's full of all of the all of this bad stuff. So they're trying to destroy. They're trying to wipe it. out like the nanobot factory. But in order to do that, so it doesn't spread. Yeah. Yeah. But in order to do that, you had to open the missile doors to get inside the island to blow it up. So he was going back and forth, and then Remy comes in, and this is what all happened. So Remy closes the doors again, and then they fight. Then he gets infected. And then he gets infected, and then he has to go back upstairs and open the door, and it's just too late because the and rockets just, are already coming. Bond, like, point blank, just, like, shoots him in the head. 
Yeah. He doesn't care. He doesn't even look at him. No. He does. <laughs> just no. Bond realizes he's infected yeah. and just bam, bam, bam. Yeah. Dead. So. Um, <laughs> and so, I mean, and this is getting to, I guess, the big spoiler where he dies. Bond, yeah, he realizes, you know, he's infected. He's screwed. You know, he doesn't have a chance at a good life, I guess. And so, Not the life that he wants. And so he just stays on the island while the rockets come and he's blown to kingdom come yeah and they've never killed a bond <laughs> a bond character in the past no i called it i was like oh he's gonna die this time and you're like well i've never done that he'll probably just retire well i going into it i read reviews like you know it's um has a very emotional ending and like that's not something you like apply to a bond film like bond movies end with him murdering the villain Ended up on the beach with a Bond girl and like fade to black. (laughs) Like that's how they usually end. And so an emotional Bond film would indicate like somebody major dies. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Daniel Craig, he's, he's done five of these. Um, He, he stayed pretty vocal. He He doesn't want to do this anymore. About getting out of these. So, yeah. So I knew it was a, a possibility, like based on what I'd read, like that was definitely a possibility. It's, um, yeah, it's never been done before. And yeah, it's, it, I mean, it it does. Um, I, I think I think they they did a good job. They of did it. a they great, did a tasteful job, yeah, and it, it does conjure some it. Uh, emotions. Yeah. So there is definitely like a bittersweet kind of like tragic quality to it, and it, yeah, it, it's it's a solid ending. I, I guess I have mixed feelings on it because it's it's not what you expect from no. a Bond movie. It's like it's like killing Superman. Like. <laughs> 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 and they did that and they brought it back. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I yeah, I mean like no matter what, like Bond's going to be coming back in some form. Yeah, it's just going to be somebody else. Right. I mean I guess it's still too big of a franchise to let it die. Um yeah, they're, they're, they'll keep going. They'll awesome. Keep... <laughs> Again, Skyfall. Like, I mean, if you can get these movies up to anywhere close to that level, like, I mean, this is a series worth yeah. continuing. Well, there you go. Well, again, there's a little scene amongst like the double O branch where like they have like a drink, they toast to him. Yep. Nice little moment. And then like the final scene is Madeline riding around in the car with her kid, telling her kid about Bond. Yep. Let me tell you a story. And, and that's the movie. That's really, the movie. Yeah. That's No Time to Die. You know, we saw this in IMAX. A couple scenes were, I think, formatted for IMAX. It was really just like the opening scene from what I remember where it was like full screen. Yeah. Most of it was like kind of like mad at Letterbox. That was another nice thing about Skyfall. If you saw it in IMAX, it, the, the whole, whole movie, movie was an IMAX. The whole movie took up the IMAX screen. It was, it's just, it's rare when it comes together that well. So, um, yeah, what what grade would you give this? I would give it probably B minus. Okay, I would give it like a B plus. I think yeah. I, you know, for me, I guess this is like kind of on the level of like Casino Royale, and that's a movie like that I I like a lot. I don't quite love it. I, I wouldn't say Casino Royale is great, but it's a solid Bond movie. And I think this is a solid Bond movie. There's some great action. It's too long. Way too long. Like, I'm definitely checking my watch in the last hour and a half. <laughs> I'm definitely checking my watch. And, I mean, I say that, like, I think it's well-paced. There's just... Well, yeah, it didn't feel... Like, I was still in it. Like, I didn't check out. Like, even, you know, like, towards the end... Long. Yeah, even even the third hour. Like, I was still with it. I didn't check out. So, like... You know, I give it credit for that. The villain was weak, and that's why I gave it a B minus. Yeah, like Rami Malek. Um, yeah, that that was a disappointment, 
And, you know, if I was like in charge of steering this series in the future, I would like go for a little more levity. Not quite so serious. Yeah. These movies should be fun and escapist and, you know, shorter on the runtime. There you go. <laughs> like, and when I say levity, I don't mean jokes. Like, I don't, I don't need people wisecracking, just mo- moments. You just, you lighten things up a little bit. Yeah. Like, you're just, you're, things don't feel so heavy for like a couple of scenes, maybe. That's what I love about Mission Impossible because Mission Impossible, there are some like comedic moments in there that you just want to like laugh and enjoy. The, and, fi- and the vibe it's not is mostly so serious. Yeah, the vibe is mostly fun yeah. in Mission Impossible. And yeah, I mean like this movie opens with a Billie Eilish song. Like which when I'm watching I'm like, "Oh, this is awfully downbeat for a Bond adventure, but in hindsight, it's kind of the like perfect way it to is, yeah. set the tone." Yeah. Like you're watching a funeral march. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. So, okay, so yeah, is it a good date movie? I think so. I say, I think Bonds are good date movies. Yeah. It's got romance. It's got action. It's got everything that... I don't think you and your date will be too bored. No. Even though it is too long. It's it's a Bond movie. It's worth seeing on the big screen. So... That's it. That's No Time to Die, directed by Carrie Fukunaga. You can find more episodes at anchor.fm slash movie date night, as well as on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, where you can rate and review. Check out our feature film, Tiny Dancers. It's now streaming on Prime Video. We are on Twitter at DN Movie Podcast, and you can also email us at date night movie podcast at gmail.com. And until next time, I'm Patrick. And I'm Ashley. Thanks for listening. Bye.